Welcome to the Up The Korean Podcast 2022, episode 4. I'm Dan Tomlinson. I'm joined, as always, by Rich Harrison, a.k.a. Pommy Rich. How are you doing, Paul? Yeah, well, mate, you? Yeah, good, thank you. Apart from freezing to death. Uh, it's absolutely freezing over here now. It's, I'm not looking forward to Wakefield on Sunday, where the forecast is already oh. rain on, on the iPhone, and thinking, oh, God, it's going to be a repeat of 2017 when it snowed, when it sleeted down, when it pissed it down, and we all left, I think we all left shaking coming out of Bellevue that afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's always a bit of a, um, a bit of a culture shock for the Aussies that are um, pulling on a whole shirt for the first time <laughs> to actually get out and stuff like that. You wouldn't have thought that Loverdeal would have ever seen ever seen uh, conditions like that playing in. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of interesting, I saw a Hull fan who uh, had a trip uh, planned to Los Angeles to watch the Super Bowl at their new SoFi right. Stadium, in, obviously in California. Got cancelled. Now he's going to Wakefield. Obviously, both of those events are on the same day. So imagine that. You're going to argue with the most picturesque new ground in the world. Now you're going to Wakefield. <laughs> We're just thinking about the difference in the halftime entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a big contrast. It might stop me moaning for a while, actually, because I'm thinking, yeah, you poor sod. <laughs> that is a, a, a massive, massive culture shock. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see... Uh, what we're presented with at Wakefield, it is a, a weird place to say the least. It's a it's a throwback, not necessarily a throwback you want to experience time and time again yet, but here we are, closing out last season at Wakefield, opening this season at Wakefield, and then we're back again in the summer as well with one of the Luke fixtures, so yeah, bring it on. Well, FC then, um, obviously it's been a little bit of a quiet week uh, in between the last friendly and the Super League Open, and that's to come this Sunday, but there was a bit of positive news there. Uh, the injury front doesn't look as Armageddon as it looked like a fortnight ago, which is obviously a good thing to see. Yeah, yeah, well, it looks like we've, if not dodged a bullet, then at least we've mitigated what could have been appalling. Um, but, um, yeah, it looks like Kane Evans is going to be back when his band finishes rather than having an extended set. Joe Cater, that looks that, that's starting to look positive with Cater. Um, Griffin looks like he's, he's up and running and, and fine, and obviously he played in... in in one of the friendlies as well, so he's looking like he's going to be 100%. They haven't really said anything about Manu Mau, have they? Um, that's going to be quiet. Yeah. Um, but it looks very much like um, our front row for Wakefield will be um, will be um, uh, Satai and Sao, doesn't it? So um, that's that's not a bad thing. No, that, that's a strong strong starting front row. Um, obviously, it's what comes off the bench that's going to be a concern, yeah. <laughs> especially when you've got David Fita, who will be up and running. You know, they've got some big lads at Wakey. And yeah, the pack is a concern. We do look still look a bit lightweight whilst uh, Taylor, Josh Bird, and obviously Kane Evans are out uh, injured slash suspended. But yeah, I suppose it's round one. Brad Fash will step in. He's had a really good pre-season. 100%, mate. But to me, I mean, I know we've got injuries and everything. This is a must-win game this one because if we've got aspirations of hitting top five top six we've got to beat the teams below us and you can't see at the end of the year that Wakefield would be above us it's a game we we need to win yeah you don't want to be starting your year off with a defeat at Wakefield and then your first home game <laughs> St Helens at home and you yeah. go you, you're going in you know not up until that's it's not ideal because then the fans get on your back and yeah. rightly so and you know, the mill changes, everything's negative, and yeah, you just send yourself down that spiral, which you spoke about last week. So, yeah, I think it's it's, it's very important to get off to a good start, absolutely. I mean, I, I still maintain that, you know, we want to continue that, you know, beyond June, that would be nice this year. But yeah, the, the present, the hit right here, right now, definitely want to be winning at Wakefield on Sunday. I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm just a bit two weeks ago, I'm thinking, oh, Christ, I'm not even going to have a 
you know, a reasonable team to field here, but it's looking a lot better, as you say. The names that we mentioned there will be back, and obviously the good news is Jamie Shaw should overcome his ankle problem. Obviously, he rolled that in ah. in training three weeks ago now, I think it was. Uh, yeah. He'll step in at full-back for us with injured Jake Connor. So it's a chance, isn't it? And it's sort of a, an opportunity for, for Shaw to, to say, you know what, I'm going to shut a few people up here, and I've got a point to prove myself. And the yep. only way he can prove a point is by playing well. And again, I go back to the Luke Gale thing when I mentioned if he wants his England spot back at the World Cup this year, then he's got to play well for all. If Jamie Shaw yep. wants to stay in that 17, he's got to play well. So it's only a good thing for the team. Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. And sometimes, you know, you just need that break, don't you? You just need someone else to be injured to get your nose in the first grade. And then, you know, you'll you'll go on an extended run. If you, if, if, he's, if he plays well and he carries on playing well, well, then he's going to be hard to unseat. And that can only be a good thing for us because it's going to mean that Connor's going to come back hungry and Connor's going to come back wanting to, to be better and better and better to unseat him. Mate, competition for places is never a bad thing. No, absolutely. It's something we haven't had in some positions, uh, especially you look at uh, maybe 13 of the 17 that are named every week and you can say... If everyone's fit, yeah, Connor, yeah, Swift, yeah, McIntosh, yeah, the centres don't change, the halfbacks don't change. You know, no one's yep. going to overtake Satay and Sal. Same with Cervelio and Mao and Jordan Lane. You look at it, who's going to come in and actually say, you know what, I want your shirt. That shirt is mine and I'm going to force you out of that team because I'm going to play better than you and I'm going to be in form and I'm going to stick at it. I don't think we've had, we had that push. That's what we had so well in the cup winning years. We had people like Josh Bowden and Chris Green stepping up and they, was, you know, they were pushing your Watsers and your Taylors and... We didn't see the drop-off when the interchange happened and same with Dean Adley when he came in and Jordan Abdul. And, yeah, that's what we've got to get back. We've got to get people pushing, striving. And it was interesting to see uh, in the media a lot of players and staff have spoken about bringing that team together and getting them closer. I think that was what Loughborough was all yeah. about, you know, becoming a team yeah. again, becoming a, a group of a group of mates again because I think this is one of the points last year that we made uh, when, we, when, we, when we hit proper meltdown mode. We've got like groups, haven't we? We've got like, the whole lads. Yeah. The West Yorkshire lads, the Islanders, the Polynesian yeah. lads. It doesn't seem yeah. to be a, yeah. a tight knit group as it was, you know, five six years ago. And I think we, that's a, probably a really underrated point. We really do need to get that back. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, I think Brett Hodgson may well have have identified that as one of the issues. You know, because I think under. Um, under Radford's kind of watch, there was all of that. And look, I mean, the club actually fostered it a little bit. Remember all those Tongan Mafia T-shirts that yeah. everyone was wearing in 2011, 2012? You know, I mean, it, it, that actually... That goes a long way towards explaining why there were kind of factions, I think. Um, and also, you know, I mean, like... It's the same as any workforce. Do you know, I work with people that... The only thing we've got in common is that we walk around on the same piece of carpet for eight hours a day. You know, they're not people that I would necessarily go out for a beer with. They're not people I would necessarily want in my friendship group. But I happen to work with them, and you've got to get on with them. And, that, and that's the same in sport, mate. You know, you're gonna, you know. But I mean, I know there's all of that. I remember talking to um, shamelessly name dropping, but I remember talking to Gareth Ellis in Wollongong, and him saying, you know, we, we don't just try and sign the player; we sign the man. You know, and and that's that that's the way that we seem to have tried to do it. However, there's always going to be, you know. You know, you, you throw 17, 18, 25 blokes together, there's going to be people that don't like each other, there's people that don't get on, and there's going to be people that do get on more than they get on with other people. So you're always going to have little friendship groups, and you're always going to say, he's my best mate, and, you know, he's an acquaintance, and I don't really like him. What we've got to do is get past that and just go, it's all for the good of the team. 
I don't care who you, you're friendly with. I don't care who you're good with, who you're not good with. It's for the good of the team. And that's what you've got to get over. Um, hopefully, Hodgson has kind of seen something and has, has tried to bring them together. And that's what going away on camp is. And that's what trying to forge a, a team like that is. And, you know, I always used to like the squeeze at the end of matches when we'd won. I used to think that was a really good a good look for the team. It meant that we were together and everything. And if you remember, there was a, a piece of footage after Wembley when we beat Wigan um, with Ellis addressing the team and saying to the guys, this is just the beginning. This isn't job done. This is just this is just the beginning. I mean, we didn't go on and win anything that year, which we probably should have done, but that that was a good thing to see. You know, it was it was a, a unified squad hanging on every word of the captain, and that's what we've got to get back to. Yeah, absolutely, and it sort of um, transpires as well to the performance traits. If you've got a squad who believe that, who think that, then when it comes to on the pitch, they're going to fight to till the last minute, you know, to the last second. They will, and then we'll get that fight back, which, which we've been lacking in performances post June last year. And if we get that, we go down fighting. You, you get defeats like St. Owens in the cup. You can accept that. You know, you'll win more games than you lose. You'll start playing well. You'll start uh, yeah. entertaining, and you know, it all go. It's like a ladder, isn't it? You climb that ladder, and you get all the yeah. all the points together, and but you become I mean, a force again. Yeah, yeah, and, and to the point, you know, I mean, a, a winning side, a winning side creates its own camaraderie because it's a lot easier to be to have camaraderie when you're winning games than it is to have camaraderie when you're losing. Because when you're losing, you're pointing the finger and going, "You missed that tackle. You dropped that ball. You didn't pass to me when I was free." When you're winning matches, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he dropped the ball if you won 50 nil. doesn't matter if he didn't pass to you, but he, he dummied and went under the sticks himself. But when you're losing matches, that's when the, the, the rot sets in. I mean, I remember when I was when I was a kid watching Wigan teams and Leeds teams and, and the, the rumour was always, oh, you know, the backs don't talk to the forwards and the forwards don't talk to the backs and everyone hears the half-back and, and all the rest of it. They still used to turn us over by 30 points. You know, because that's the opposition team trying to grab at anything they can that, that might be a perceived weakness. And that's what we need to, to stop, is that if people can see that there's dissension in the ranks, they'll just, you know, you put the knife in the crack and you work it left and right until the crack gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what you do as an opposition player. And that's what players like Gale do and players like Connor do. They'll find a, a crack in the opposition psyche and just chirp and chirp and chirp and chirp until someone lashes out, punches we end up winning the the penalty. Reynolds did it last year, absolutely done someone up like a kipper, I remember. Maybe in the Saints Cup game, but it Cas- was chirping Castleway. and chirping and chirping. Castle Castle, yes, it was Castle. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes. That yeah, was, you're right. That was sensational to watch as well. Stood on yes. the end and yeah. you could just see him get under the skin and under the skin and then yeah. And then you saw the fight in home of thinking back then, geez, it was like watching a different old team, it was ridiculous because we ran the opposition up that much. That we were beating them there and then. We will be like that this year. The only reason we weren't like that at the end of last year was because we lost bodies. We didn't have consistency. We didn't have consistency of selection. We didn't have consistency of performance. We will we will get back to that this year, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is all true, but that does sound like a little bit of excuse-making. Uh, obviously, we didn't handle adversity well, did we, in those, those no, we tough moments last year. That's what we've got to really get good at this year is when it gets tough, we, we act tough, you know. We're not... We show that we're tough. We show some fight. We show some resilience, and and we walk back down. And if we get that again, and I'll repeat it a million times until it gets boring and start doing all your heads in, 
But that's what we want as fans, and that's what we can accept as fans. Ah. When we don't get that, ah. and we end up getting trounced, that's when it becomes unacceptable. There's a fan difference between how you get beat and how you win games as well. And it's like you say, we want to win well, but we want to lose well as well. It's that line that uh, Tim Sheen's made when he was obviously coached on the other side of the river. We lost, but we didn't get beat. Everyone took the piss out of him, myself included. But there was some mileage in yeah. that. I, you, you see where he's coming from. Yeah, it was badly put, but you, you get the point. Yeah, it's just yeah, easy to absolutely. piss out of him because obviously they, they were absolutely dire at the time and it was funny because they were losing every week. But there was... There's definitely, definitely, definitely some marriage in that quote, and you can see where he's coming from. But as I say, it, it's them. Yeah, yeah, let's just take the piss out of them, which was so easy to do at the time. And obviously, yeah. And right when now. we get on, when we get on to the NRL a bit later as well, um, he's leading a bit of a, a bit of a resurgence at West Tigers because they've put him in as, as like um, head of recruitment and retention, and um, yeah, he's starting to sign some players, yeah. which is good. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, obviously that's your NRL club mm. there. Obviously, my NRL club as well. A bit of a rivalry developing there between Penrith and West. But yeah, well, well let's start right there then with uh, Super League preview for 2022. I'm sure we've all seen the video. Bring it on. Bring it on, question mark. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to Super League. It's, it's been a long winter. And yeah, this season last year didn't end, end well for Hull FC and was sort of disillusionised with all things Hull and, and dare I say Rugby League in the winter with the World Cup not happening. But you know, after two friendlies, you know, wetting the appetite again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Bring it on. You know, Thursday night games on TV, Friday night games on TV. Channel 4 on a Saturday every so often. You, you know, you've got the Catalans getting their TV deal. You've got, you know, Hull FC obviously playing a lot of weekend games this year. A Super League, which looks competitive across the board. You know, you've got a very strong St. Helens side. Catalans look even better. Warrington, you know, they look good every year, don't they? We all know the catchphrases. Wigan, Castleford, Leeds, dare I say Rovers too. You've got Huddersfield. To lose work yeah. back down without a fight either. It's yeah, it should be a great year. Mm, yeah, I think there's a lot of stories, isn't there? I think I have tipped Catalans. I think they'll they'll be the first overseas team to ever win it. Um, just because I think they've traded a good halfback for a great halfback, uh, and I honestly think Mitch Pearce um, is going to be he's going to be a revelation against slower defenses. Um, compared to Maloney, I mean Maloney was great, but he was getting on, and he, he didn't have the he didn't have the mileage left in his legs. I don't think. Where well, I think Pierce is a couple of years younger, and I think he's gonna I think he's gonna hit the ground running. Um, Napper's a really good forward as well, um, and uh, and Tyron May, you know, he's a, he's a little bit of an enigma um, after what happened at Penrith last year. You know, he's he's, he's a decent player, but not a very nice person. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, and then he's only on a one-year deal, and he'll probably end up back at Penrith as well at the end of the year. So, I think Catalans are, are, are the team to beat personally. Um, I think you know, obviously Wigan, Saints, Warrington, Leeds will all be there and thereabouts. Um, and like you say, Holland Rovers, I think, are fighting out for that sixth, fifth, sixth position. Um, even with Snead, I think Salford will struggle. Um, and I can I can see relegation being a bit of a three loss race between Toulouse, Wakefield, and Salford, and, and maybe even with Huddersfield kind of dropping into that into that um, that orbit as well. Um, I think um, obviously for Hull, it's all on what Gale can bring differently, um, and also on, on whether we can release two rapid wingers if we can play differently. So if we have centres that are willing to take a hit to release a winger um, 
you know, we could we could score a handful out wide, which is very different to how it's been over the years when we seem to have rolled through the middle of teams. Um, and even then, when you know we did go in at the at the corner, it was because we had you know either a steamroller of a winger like a Farima or a Fanua, or we had Talanoa you know jumping over people's heads and, and pirouetting and ballet in the air and, and managing to dot the ball down. So it's going to be very different with two rapid wingers, I think, for us. So, yeah, look, it's going to be a good season, I think. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting one this year. Um, Normally, I'd, I'd look at it and go Saints or Wigan. I think Catalans are a real cat amongst the pigeons this year. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, St. Allen's obviously going for something that's never happened in Sub League, winning four titles in a row. So they've matched Leeds' mm. feet of the uh, mid 2000s, winning three in a row, three P. Um, yeah, the challenge for them, obviously, they're still the team to beat. They'll want to go make it four and, and become the first team to do that. Look at their recruitment, and that's what gets me with St. Allen's. And we did touch on this, but you know, you lose Joe Thompson, you lose Kevin Nguyen, oh, we'll go Sam William Hopperati, we'll go get a Katie Sirenen. That That's outstanding. Talk about, you know, taking your, never taking your eye off the yeah. prize. And, and they've got the trust in their youth, but also they've got the quality in their youth. It's like, oh, Lachlan Coote he wants big money, he's gone. Oh, we'll just put Jack Wellsby there, he's been outstanding in Sudbury for a couple of years. Obviously, got the, the winner in the grand final, he's kicked on. Oh, we'll just put him up fullback. Oh, we lose uh, Johnny Lomax to injury. We lose Theo Farge, who's now left the club. That's all right, we'll just throw Lewis Dodd in there. He can play at half. And that, that's what gets them with Saints. They, yes. they yeah. just slot a kid in. And they're becoming like the Wigan, aren't they, of the 90s, where they can just do that. They can yeah. just, they've got that system and they've got that process and they can just put anybody in and it never falters. And that yeah. standard never drops. And... 100%. Yeah. And when, and when they do sign a player, um, they're, they're genuinely signing because they've, they've spotted a gap in the system that they need to plug. And, and, you know, the one thing you could probably say about Saints over the, over the last couple of years is that maybe they've lacked a bit of size, you know, in, in the backs. And they've signed Conrad Horrell, who's had, you know, two fairly bang average years at Leeds. And, you know, you see him in a Saints shirt and he looks 20, 20 kilos lighter. He just, he looks fit, he looks engaged. You know, I mean, what I think we said a couple of weeks ago, what does that say about the situation at Leeds? But bloody hell, what does that say about St. Helens? Yeah, you can only press and yeah, answer. Yeah. Come to us. Yeah, come to us. But if you come to us, you're going to need to be trim. You're going to need to be fit. Otherwise, you're not going to get a t- you're not going to get a place in the time. Mm. You know, that's that's a good signing for them. I think I reckon, and I'm no fan of Conrad Horrell, but I, I reckon he'll be he'll be a revelation for Saints. I really do. What is a character in it? You know, compare Horrell. that compare that to the signing of. Um, uh, the the Warrington signing uh, of last year of um, Grey uh, Inglis, mm. yeah, you know who'd been retired for eighteen months, you know massive, you know oh look who we've signed, you know fanfare, 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 played handful games and pissed off with all that money, you know, yeah, Very bit, bit embarrassing really, isn't it on Wire's part, and very much so. They haven't yeah. got that that process right. You look at St Helens and you look at Wigan and they've signed good, good NRL imports that have been the backbone of that squad, but then they've filled it with. With club produced players and obviously federation trained players that have been solid players. I mean, St. Owens, you know, they made finals and won Challenge Cups signing people like Michael Shenton, but you know, nurturing your Johnny Lomax's, nurturing your Tommy Makinson's and people like that. And 
They've got that. Yeah. They've got that system right, and Warrington have never done that. They've always spent big. I mean, they're doing it right now. The halfbacks again: Gareth Willock and George Williams, two huge, mm. huge contracts handed out. Huge signings, yeah. And I, I like George Williams. Yeah. I do like him as a player. I thought he was very good at Canberra. Did drop off a bit in the mm. second season, but he could probably put that down to off-field issues and wanted to go home, didn't he? I mean. Why wouldn't you miss the metropolis that is the town of Wigan? But, you know, each their own. If that's his home, fair play to him. He's, he's come back with, obviously, his girlfriend. and Yeah, but they just never seem to get it right. They just throw stupid money, don't they? And it never quite works. Yeah. And they and always it, say it's their year and it never happens. It's, it's exactly right. And it's exactly what Leeds used to do in the 90s. You know, spent a fortune, won F all. That was always the, that was always the chant. Spent a fortune, won F all. You know? And, um, and, it's, it's very similar to, to Warrington. Um, you know, I mean, the players have signed as well. I mean, Minikin's a good signing for them from Rovers because he'll bring them something that they haven't had. Um, Magulius from, from Cronulla Sharks, really? You know, this year, I, I can't really see. I mean, to say he's taking up an overseas place, wow, really? Um, you can only say that, that maybe, um, you know, they're, they're completely spent up with what they've what they've currently got you know but yeah that, that's that's an odd one Wigan this year as well they've they've signed they've signed some odd players this year I mean they lose Jackson Hastings and they lose Oliver Gildart two you know world class players you'd say you know Cade Cust from Manly Seagulls who's been sat on the bench for Manly more than he's played mm. um, Cade Ellis from St George really Mago from South never really seen him play that much you know he's just yeah, I don't know. They, they they seem to be. I don't know. They, they seem to be plugging gaps rather than signing players that are going to actually better the team. Um, yeah, that, that's that's an odd one. I mean, you look. I mean, obviously the the big, the big one really for me is, is how Radford's going to go at Cass. That that's going to be a very very interesting one to watch because, you know, I mean the the players he signed, you know, Lawler from Rovers, Fenua and Farima from us. Um, I think he got Sutcliffe from the Rhinos, didn't he? Jake Malmo um, from Warrington. Malmo from Warrington and Westerman, I think, has gone back yeah, there, hasn't he? Yeah. And Ken, didn't he get Kenny Edwards as well? Was it Kenny Edwards? Yeah, Kenny Edwards, yeah. 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 And, you know, they haven't really lost much. You know, um, I think Matauti has gone to Warrington and then the rest of them have all gone to the First Division Club, Second Division yeah, Club. Oliver, Oliver Holmes, has he gone to Warrington? Oliver Holmes well? went to Warrington. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the rest of them have all gone, I mean, they had Beanek on there, you know, who was with us. Um, he's ne- gone to London. Yeah, never hit the hype, um, did he, unfortunately, Beanek. For a big lad like that as well, that's a real shame. Again, it, it's like the big kid. Old, I mean, there was When I did the whole Daily Mail job at Cityville Academy, there was a teenage winger that was on Rose's books that everyone used to rave about called Will Oaks, but, and he was physically developed more than everybody mm. else, so he looked like the part. He looked like he was going to... If you're judging the level he was playing at, clearly yeah. the best player at that level... So, oh, he's going to go on to be a very good Super League player. He's going to have an international career. Didn't work out like that. Everyone caught him up physically, and now he's playing in the Championship at York. So, I think it's a little bit the same with Beanick. You know, yeah. big lad, skittling people in the Academy League, looks incredible. Actually, comes up to first team environment where everyone's sort of like caught him up in size, and actually, he's not really that yeah. good. And it happens, and that's why it's down to your scouts, isn't it? For us as well. Yeah. I must admit though, there is yeah. a one yeah, exactly. rugby league, one rugby league agent who was very well known in these parts. Uh, let's just say he used to be on Humberside, mm-hmm. but I had a conversation with him yeah. when Will Oaks was coming through, and he told me he won't make it. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, 
So yeah. <laughs> gotta love that. Yeah. Maybe I should have listened to him instead of raving about him in the in reports. But yeah, uh, it, it just shows, doesn't it? The moral of the story there is obviously, you know, look look a little bit deeper. Don't just look for the big lad who's skittling people or the lad who's physically developed more than everyone else. Look at you know different qualities about you know like players who can you know, pick a line or plays who was smart and, you know, seems to have loads of time. And, you know, look at Jason Smith, what was his best quality? The fact that he looked like he had m- m- minute every time he touched the ball. I mean, he created so much space for himself. Yeah. You know, you look at smart yeah. players, don't you, who can, who can do that, who can pick a pass, who can pick a line and stuff like that. Obviously, technique-wise, people who can tackle. And, yeah, it's like, that's what we mentioned with Charlie Severs last week. I mean, he was very, very good at Leeds. And we're looking at him right now. He's a strong line runner. He looks like he's got some gas. He looks like he can promote the ball too. You know, but he's not yeah. physically ready yet. But maybe in time he will be. So I suppose yeah. it's just perseverance and patience, not just picking the big lad all the time. And I'm glad rugby league's not like that. I mean, I don't think it is anymore. I think we've got. It doesn't really matter. You see, you look at the amateur game now. You see so many players are so skinny, but they're mobile and they're quick. You're thinking, hang on, you play rugby league? Oh yeah, yeah I do. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. But these are tough lads. I think we. I think we've yeah. done the right thing, getting away from that. That stigma where, oh, yeah, he's the big lad, let's pick him. You know, it doesn't always work out like that. And, yeah, obviously it hasn't with being it. But, yeah, you're right, Cass. Cass are obviously interesting with the Lee Radford connection alone, aren't they? I mean, every old fan's going to have an eye on Castleford to see how they do it. And especially to see how they play as well. Because Radford talks a good game. And don't get me wrong, it, when, it, when it clicks, it does work. Because, you know, we had two of the best days of our life with Lee Radford as our head coach. So, it'd be interesting to see what happens. And see if, if it does work. And he has his big blocks out wide, you know, clicking with his ass and his Bat rowers and his props and steamrolling teams, and yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. You look at the team he's got. He's he's trying to recreate. He's trying to recreate the team he had with us and the team he played in in Bradford. I've said it for years. That's, he's just trying to recreate that. Two big bustling wingers, you know, centres that could easily double as second row forwards. Um, you know, crafty halves, and then a big booming prop um, led pack. You know, with with you know tackle machine. Um, loose forward and hooker. That's that's basically what he's what he's trying to do. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to watch that one. Um, I, I can't see. I can see him finishing seventh or eighth. I can't see him hitting the top five. But you never know. You know, he, maybe he's the guy that gets the best out of Fanua and Farima. You know, um, and he'll certainly get the best out of Joe Westerman mm. um, and some of the other players they've got. You know, he, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Well, yeah, you look at the hooker they've got, Paul McShane, he likes to jump out the rock yeah. and you get people pushing with him, big blokes, you know, pushing on the back of him. In theory, it can, it could, it could work. And I sort of look at Super League right now, I think you have got a goal between St. Owens, Catalans and the rest. And the, obviously the, the challenge for your Warringtons and your Wiggins and your Castlefords and your Leeds and your Hulls and your Rovers is, is, to, is to bridge that gap. And, and to be honest, I think, I think the top four will be the three Lancashire clubs and, and Catalans. And I think... It's the four Yorkshire clubs, Cash, Leeds, Hull and Rovers for the last two playoff spots. I think that's how it's going to pan out. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to be tight. It'll be horrible at times. And there'll be games at the end of the year, like Hull Derby's in September, for instance. And you know, you look at games that are going to affect potentially getting into a playoff spot or not. I mean, we could we could have to play Rovers in September to get sixth spot or to secure fifth spot or something like that. And likewise with yeah. Leeds or Cash, they could have a game against the side that are around, around that little area, around that little group in Super League. And it could be the difference between making it or not. I think it is going to be that tight this year, which again is only good for the competition. You know, we don't want the playoffs uh, set in stone in July. You know, that's boring, isn't it? Everyone will be switched off for yeah, six totally. weeks. From, from a neutral point of view, you want everyone alive and kicking. You want everyone competing, fighting until that final round. I think... We are going to get that. I think St. Helens and Catalans will probably be going toe-to-toe for the 
League Leader Shield, and I'm glad that there's more. You know, remember a couple of years ago, I sent Owens, they were like embarrassed to lift it, weren't they? Like, oh, we're not going to make a big song and dance about this, we'll just, yes. yeah, thank you very much, shake hands, yeah, and then pose for a picture. But there was no, like, celebration. Catalans won it last year, and they went absolutely mental, and rightly so, because it it, it's only one of three things you can win after all. It should be celebrated yeah. more. Yeah, it's full beat wire. If when we bottled it, oh, bottle it. I don't know if that's an ash word, but yeah, when we bottled it in twenty sixteen, no, no, yeah, we'll we go with bottle. Yeah, all right, we'll go with bottled. I'm content with that. Um, yeah, when we bottled it against Warrington, if we won that game, we would have been league leader shield winners, dog dish winners, whatever you want to call it. The KCOM was packed to the rafters that day. The West Upper was open. There was best part of seventeen, eighteen thousand there. The place would have been bouncing. You know, first time yeah. we've won a league since 1983. Yeah, it's not the mm. league because you've got to win at Old Trafford these days, but still to yeah, celebrate we that. Would have, we would have gone on to win at Old Trafford if we'd have won that, I think. That, because we'd what, have yeah. had the momentum. It's a fair call, yeah. Because Yeah, you yeah, say yeah. momentum, yeah, exactly. It's it's infectious, isn't it? But I still yeah. think it's a, it's a big thing, the League Leader Shield. And yeah, I think, you know, no one, you can't tell the Catalans, you know, per- person that it's not a big thing because they celebrated it like, like mm. I say, they went absolutely mm. nuts last year when they won that. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens on that front. But then you've got Warrington and Wigan fighting out, haven't you? It'd be interesting to see how Wigan are this year, because I thought, under Adrian Lamb, they were more boring to watch than all. And that's saying something. Mm. Mm. And I don't know much about this head coach of theirs, either. Well, it's from uh, their system, isn't he? He's in a, so yeah, they've been promoted from within, from the academy. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how, how, he, how, he, how he goes. But, you know, you look at the, the brand of rugby that Wigan are accustomed to playing and it yes. went completely yeah. away. I mean, Sean Wayne started it, didn't he? It, it, it brought results, don't get me wrong, but it was very hard-nosed. It was very physical. It wasn't what I was used to watching Wigan as a kid, which was all... It was like the St. Owens of today, you know, all flamboyant, entertaining, you know, mm. pace out wide, power, finesse, flair. You didn't really get that in a Wigan team these days. It all seems to be workmanlike. I think they want to get away from that. A bit like Huldo right now. We, we, we want to get away from that. We want to become this flamboyant side who play rugby league how it should be played and... Yeah, as I say, it just makes for a good top six battle, and it, I think it is going to go down to the wire. And I think I'm not I'm not saying Hull will be competing for those first four spots. I think everything has to click into place, and we have to be as uh, low as injury free as possible to be able to achieve that. But I think fifth and six is more realistic. It's, and if you know if that happens, that that will go down as a good season. If Hull even if Hull finish six and scrape in on the final weekend, it's. You know, that's better than last year, isn't it? And it's progress. And if you complement that with a better home form, you complement that with a better brand of rugby, then most fans will be content from an old point of view. But but then Cass will be thinking the same thing. They'll be thinking, oh, we can match all. We can get that spot before they do. Rovers yeah, will be yeah. thinking the same. Leeds will be thinking the same. Yeah. Probably even other yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So, hmm. yeah, it should make it more competitive. Hmm. Absolutely. And I suppose that's a good thing because you know it's been a tough two years, hasn't it, with COVID and what's happened and teams fighting for literally every yeah. scratch, scratch of money they can get their hands on. Obviously, the TV deal for this year has been reduced. It's obviously nice that other people have come in. Channel Four has been sports again, and obviously Premier Sports with the Championship. But it's it's showcasing what we've got again to go back to Sky when they when the current one expires again and say, look, we deserve more. We warrant more. Look at what we're offering you. And I think that yeah. as, as a board, we've got to all sort of like pull together if you like we all need to be thinking right we need to make rugby league great again we need to make sure that we're, we're attracting players to the competition by playing well but by playing the right way as well and I know some rugby league fans have a stigma with rugby union some don't like it when you mention rugby union but I must admit me and my old man we got back from North Ferriby on Saturday good game well it was an okay game of football it was windy and horrible and cold but it's just nice to get inside and we flipped on the TV and England and Scotland's on 
10 minutes yeah. and the channel was changed. It was awful. We yeah, thought, oh, give it, give it an opportunity. 10 minutes later, channel was flipped yeah. again. I'll oh, put the FA Cup on. It was shocking. That, if that's what we've got to compete with, then come on. We just need to... As I say, on the field, brilliant. Off the field, we're run by monkeys, aren't we? That's what we need to concentrate on. Yeah. Getting off the getting our our administration sorted, so we can go to these people and say, "Look what we're offering you. We have the best product in the world." Mm. And, and look, to be honest, mate, look to, to the man in the street who, who who rugby league only maybe brushes past him once every now and again. You know, they'll say on on terrestrial TV. If they live in the south of England and they don't get the the Super League show and stuff that goes on the, the I think that just goes on the Yorkshire and the Lancashire BBC channels, doesn't it? Or it might be on like the Red Button or something like that. Is it? Down yeah, I think it might have changed this year, so it actually is is nationalised. Yeah, good. I definitely well, definitely read that this month, you know, Sam. Good. Well, you know, your normal person who lives down south, who, who you know, is a casual sports fan and will watch anything. Because I'll watch most things. You know, I think I wrote in a blog for you years ago that if there's something on, I can't just sit there and watch it. I have to root for somebody. You know, mm. I have to be on. I have to have a team. I have to like watching the Winter Olympics at the moment. I'll pick. I'll pick someone and, and root for them. You know, I can't just be a disinterested observer with sport. I have to, I can't be a neutral. Um, so, you know, if, if, you're a, if you're one of those people that rugby league just kind of passes by, what will you say? You'll say the Challenge Cup, and that's about it. At least now with what Channel 4 are doing, the, you're going to say, you're going to have an option to go, oh, Saturday afternoon, sport, brilliant. You know, and, and live sport, great. And, you know, the, the fact that it's going to be there, then then these people down south can properly, week in, week out, compare it to Union, if they're into Union. And compare it and go, bloody hell, this is quicker, it's faster, it's more skillful. These players are lunatics, they're fitter, you know? This this can only be a good thing to, to expose the sport to a, 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 a an audience that's previously been not reached or has been disinterested you know this is our chance we've got a terrestrial tv deal if you'd have said that to me this time last year i'd snapped your hand off even if we even if we give them to it for for pennies the the potential good that it can do our code far outweighs any money that that we've been paid for it absolutely but everyone needs to have that same thought process as well and yeah when it came out on social media that sky were blocking the option for subscribers to record Channel 4's coverage next weekend, you're thinking, yeah, is that an honest mistake or is that That's just petulance? So I'm, go- I'm going with the latter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, me too. And, and, you know, they still haven't they still haven't come out and said over here in, with a, a Fox Sports, because obviously Fox Sports and Sky Sports are, um, are affiliated, they still haven't come out over here and, and said whether the Channel 4 games are going to be on Fox over here either. Which is a shame, because when the clocks go back... Um, uh, uh, midday kickoff for me is nine o'clock at night. Perfection. Yeah. Just finished watching. Just finished watching the um, the NRL game on. Um, actually, it'll actually clash with the NRL game because um, the last one kicks off about. Uh, actually, no, it'd be, probably be about right. The last one kicks off about seven thirty. Yeah, yeah. So um, a little bit of a crossover, but it shouldn't be yeah. that much, should it? Perfect. Just just means it extends my having a few beers and a packet of crisps. Um, kind of uh, Saturday nights. That's lovely. Well, yeah. <laughs> can, <laughs> Can't be, I can handle you? that. <laughs> yeah, I can handle that. And that's the thing. How many other people have that same thought process? Oh, we can watch mm. a bit of NRL. We can watch a bit of Super League. Saturday morning, 
oh, I'll just chill, or I can watch the NRL, oh, I can watch Channel 4 now, all that, play until uh, Sunday afternoon, or maybe we're playing on the Friday night. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll stick around and I'll watch the rugby, and you don't lose interest with it, you engage with it, and you come back and do it again next time it's on. Yeah. That's the key yeah. thing. Obviously, this year, it's obviously a little bit of trial and manoeuvring with Channel 4, but if it works, and I can't see why it won't, did notice that yeah. on Prices announced as one of the pundits. That's interesting. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned the the voices of rugby league and what we want. Uh, an Australian comedian is the host. Yeah, uh, but he's tra- a rugby league tragic. Yeah, which is good. As I say, he'll be knowledgeable. Yeah. It'll be something different. Uh, John Wilkins, one of the pundits as well. I think um, Leon Price is obviously the good news there. Um, obviously, yeah. ticks loads of boxes and good to see him get back in the games. I did see on his personal Instagram, uh, Leon Price. He said he's lost his way a little bit since he's retired as many yeah. you know, professional players do when they retire and mm. he's got back into his health again he said he let himself go a bit but obviously with his son Will being like a poster boy of Super League now that's going to reignite the fire isn't it he's going to you know, keep yeah. him grounded but he'll get the love back for it himself because obviously he's on Premier he's on Channel 4 so that, that's good and we, we, we've mentioned this ever since we've done this podcast but we want big names in, involved in rugby league and Leon Price is a huge name Leon Price is a game that was is a name sorry that was absolutely synonymous for me growing up as a kid in the, in the 2000s yeah. that was yeah. Yeah. oh Leon Price Bradford yeah he was one of the biggest names oh Leon Price at St Ellen's yeah he was absolutely class he was unreal that's the type of player mm-hmm. you wanted to watch but it's also the p- person you want to listen to now because his knowledge of rugby league is incredible yeah because he knows stuff yeah exactly exactly and he was always um, I mean, when we signed him as well, I think a lot of player went, a lot of people went, oh, bloody hell, really? You know, because he was getting on a bit when we signed him. I'll tell you what, he never let us down. He was good for us. He steered the ship a little bit for us, didn't he? I mean, yeah. Also, we'll just open this podcast as well, talking about uh, team camaraderie and team bond. No one's telling me that Leon Price didn't have a major factor in that as well, because oh, he yeah. is a character. He is somebody. Anyone who's been to a sportsman's dinner with Leon Price in the room, <clears> that's the person you want to listen to. I think that's the same in the team environment. You know, he's a character. He's he's bubbly. You know, he's full of life, and that's that's yeah, the people great. we want. And yeah, yeah. It's good and to he'll see be that. good copy. He'll, he'll be good copy yeah. for us um, on Channel Four. You know, he'll be he'll be he'll be good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I didn't get to see the Premier Sports uh, coverage. Unfortunately, we got rid of our dodgy black box. We're honest now, and instead <laughs> instead of the dodgy black box, we're now uh, using my nan's Sky Go because I can't be asked to pay for it myself. <laughs> Yeah, nice. So I just, you know, <laughs> turn the PlayStation on, yep, cheers, Nam. Here's a tenner every month, here's a packet of wine gums for Uncle Terry, yep, cheers. <laughs> Seems nice. to work much nice. cheaper, much cheaper. But yeah, by all accounts, it, it was well received. Um, a good game as well. We had a couple of match reports from Featherstone York. But again, we're recording this Monday morning, UK time. Monday night, you've got, again, you've got another blockbuster. You've got the two high spenders of the championship, Featherstone Lee, that's obviously broadcasting. Get it can only be a good thing. I mean, there's plenty of people out there with dodgy black boxes these days, so it will be it will be uh, a lot of people with their eyes on it watching it, and that's only good for the game as well. Yeah, and I think the, the championship as well this year. I think you know there's been a few little rumblings about what might happen as a reorganisation of the league and everything, and I think time's running out for championship teams to get up and stay up. So you know, I think there's a bit of urgency this year, and I think you can see that in the team that Featherston have signed. Um, you know, to, they're really trying all out to get up there and 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 stay up there. Yeah, I, I did write about this in the latest up the cream uh, about the championship sides who have Super League aspirations and but genuine Super League aspirations and actually bring something to the competition. And Featherstone yeah. is an interesting one because they're not liked. Let's face it, they're not. They're a little bit yeah. like a Millwall, aren't they? In rugby league terms, no yeah. one really likes them. Yeah. But I tell you what, they're ambitious. 
they do fill that roster with players that you think, oh, okay, maybe they could, you know, have a few, few shocks if they did come up to Super League. But you think off the field, they've got a reasonable fan base that can, you know, that are as good or if not better than your Salfords, your Huddersfields. But again, with the ground, you look at the state of Weldon Road, look at the state of Bellevue, mm. then you look at Post Office Road, you're thinking, oh, hang on, they're a championship club, yet they've done more with that ground. The, the, the seating end for away supporters is fantastic. And we went yes. there four years ago now, 2018, for that infamous game where there was about a million yellow cards yeah. and Brett Freeman got yeah. sent off and and uh, Missy Tapaloa, whatever he's called, turning to Bobby Bill Shea, smacking Jamie Shaw. So, yeah, crazy tin pot game of rugby league, that, yeah, but move on swiftly. But, yeah, the experience of the ground was a lot better than it was, you know, 20 years ago when it was, like you say, an open terrace. And you go to Cass and you go to Wakey now, yeah, we're rugby league fans and we might love them. We like the fact that the boat room's outside Weldon Road and, you know, you go on that side terrace and, you you know, you feel like your human rights have been breached in all honesty. It's, I mean, people say oh, you'll, you'll miss it when it's gone. I'm thinking... Yeah, but all that, but all that, because it's it's yeah. come on, it's 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 post war like going back to the boulevard. It's like going back to the, the the very end of the boulevard where it was falling apart. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, that 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 is it in a nutshell. Yeah, and we all get nostalgic mm. about the boulevard, but I look at Hullesi. We now get mandatory five figure crowds. We didn't get that until the early eighties at the boulevard. You know, when we left the boulevard, mm. we're averaging six and seven thousand. Now look at us yeah. as a club commercially. I always remember the James Clark when he came, first came to Hull FC. They didn't even have a freaking computer. Yes. Now look at yeah. them. You know we've got a full bloody media department. It's it's completely different now. We've definitely evolved since we moved to that stadium. As a club, we've moved with the times, and and Warrington have done that, and Wigan have done that, and St Allen's have done that, Salford have done that, and then you look at Cass and Wakey. Even Huddersfield did it. You look at Bradford. You look at Cash. You look at Wakey. You think, you know, for God's sake. And again, Salford. I mentioned this again a few weeks ago, but Salford are probably looking at this thinking, you bastards. Because they took a Super League face value with all its franchise criteria, moved out of the Willows, moved to the AJ Bell, which is in a horrible location for home fans. Absolutely brilliant for us because yeah. it's straight off the motorway. It's literally on the junction, so it's perfect. Yeah. But for home fans, yeah. it's absolutely crap. I'm sorry, but away fans don't matter. Home fans is your priority. We always say this, if you're relying on, well, it was what you said, wasn't it? If you're relying on away fans, and you, then your business model is completely wrong. So, yeah, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But yeah, no, yeah. No, you're dead. You're dead right. You're dead right. Yeah. So I think all in all, then, yeah, we're excited for Super League. I want to see the best parts of it. I want to see George Williams ripping up. I want to see, you know, Luke Gale, Jake Connor ripping up for all. I want to see the Super League flagship players, your Sam Tomkinses, your Stefan Ratchfords. I want to see, you know, Paul McShane, those players lighting up the competition. I don't want to hear about weekly grams every week in post-match interviews. I want to hear people say, oh yeah, how good was that? Look at that brick, look at that piece of skill. Oh my God, that was amazing. That's what I want to see this year. And obviously then that will transpire into the World Cup at the end of the year. And hopefully it'll be a really good year for rugby league in the UK. Um, I just hope Toulouse stay up. Uh, it's going to be a tall order for them, but I really do hope yeah. they stay up. Yeah, me too. They me should too. have dispension be, be, like Catalans did uh, in 2006. Yeah, they, they won't though. No, they, because, no you know, they've already said, they, haven't they? You, you know, you're going to get, I think I think Lee's earners and, and Fenton's earners have both said there'd be, you know, pretty strident um, legal challenges to that if that happened. And, and you know, that would be a terrible look for the sport. But yeah. it's also a terrible look if they come up and come straight back down again. But, you know, that's happened over years and years and years with, you know, semi-professional teams coming up into the big boys and then... You know, going down hardly winning a match. It's happened to you know Lee. Lee were on a yo-yo for a few years. Rovers were on a yo-yo for a few years. You know, Castle did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Castle was probably the most famous example, yeah. really. Up, down, up, mm. down. Um, yeah, yeah. 
just uh, trying to sell that. As I say, we go back to our TV deals and, oh, yeah, Toulouse have gone down. Featherstone have come up. Can you up the TV <laughs> deal, please? Nah, you're all right, mate. <laughs> that's, that's what I worry about. Um, again, you, you start going into uh, a little bit of um, rugby league politics there, aren't you? And thinking, what do I want best for to League? And geographically, where is that? And I still maintain that having... You know, your two French teams aside, your other 10 clubs enclaved on that M62 corridor, and then wonder why we can't sell it to people in Kent, why we can't sell it to people in Birmingham, yeah. London, you know, Coventry, Bristol, blah, 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 yeah. even Newcastle. It's There's your answer. That That, that yeah. is it in a nutshell. Agreed. So, yeah, that's the challenge Agreed. for Super League. But then I suppose you can't, on the, on the contrary, you can't just stick a pin on a map and go, oh, here's a club. I.e. Yeah. Eric Torres, yeah, exactly, exactly, Cornwall. exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's going to work. And, you know, and Wales, and Wales as well. You know, we've we've tried it in Wales as well, and that didn't work. You know, we tried it in London, didn't really work. You know, it'd be um, we we need. You know, we tried it in Sheffield, really. You know, Sheffield was never a rugby league town. Sheffield was always a soccer town. Mm. And you know, when when Hetherington, you know, made all the big noise and, and tried to do it in Sheffield, that you know, that's they've struggled along for years and years and years, and they, they had that little flash where they where they won at, at Wembley. But apart from that, you know, they've nearly, never really done anything there either. It's you know, that that was a soccer. That's a soccer town that that um, that, that barely supported a rugby league town as a third club. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. London's the one that winds me up because thinking forty-two years now, it's still, it's still haven't cracked it, and we haven't been patient enough. We've just floated them around the city. You know, you've gone from Fulham to Crystal Palace to Barnet mm. to Charlton to Harlequins yeah. look, back to Barnet. If, if, if Richard Branson can't make it work, it's not going to work. Yeah, there is that. But then I sort of look at first times I went to London were when they played at uh, Griffin Park, the old Brentford FC mm. ground, and Brentford, yeah. there was a good five, 6,000 people there and they could have made something stick and they just don't persevere yeah. on the, the patience. It, it's always looking for the quick fix. That's my biggest gripe with rugby league. It's it's not patient. It will actually build some foundation. It just wants everything right there right now. See, problem is, mate, patience takes money and money is something that's in short supply around rugby league and always has been. That, that is true. That is true. I suppose it's just, we, we want London to work, don't get me wrong, but yeah, again, am I just being a fantasist there rather than a real realist? I'm just sort of looking at Cornwall now thinking that that's not going to work. That does, no, that's not going to work. Sorry, it's 400 miles away, you know, there and back. And it's, how are people, unless you actually move there, you can't do it. I mean, how are you turning, I don't know, a part-time player from Leeds or part-time player from Warrington? Oh yeah, come down to Cornwall to play every Sunday. I've got work up Monday. Can I really be bothered to go yeah. all the way down there? It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, how that's going to work, I, I do not know. Um, yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, the Cumbrian side struggle enough with it. Never mind someone in Cornwall. I mean, trying to entice people to go up to Workington and Whitehaven to play is is tough itself. Never mind southwest of bloody yeah. England. So, yeah, it will be no, interesting. Right. But yeah, it's, it's 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 funny how we can go so negative after trying to stay positive, isn't it? It's it's just as just as infectious. But again, it's it's real talk, isn't it? It's you can't just bury your head and understand with all this stuff and I think rugby league does do that sometimes but yeah overall Super League definitely looking forward to it looking forward to getting to Wakefield to Bellevue mm, yeah how picturesque it is and all that but yeah getting back to watch Hull FC under Brett Austin and seeing how we develop and how we can evolve this year obviously every new season brings with it optimism it's a clean slate it's a fresh start and, and yeah bring it on yeah yeah it's going to be a it's going to be a roller coaster, but um, it always is <laughs> so yeah, we just gotta we just gotta 
um, you know, just got to push ourselves off the edge and see what transpires, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on that part, then it's still a few weeks away till it's big kick off, right? Uh, the National Rugby League in Australia. We have got the All Stars game coming up soon, but yeah, again, yeah, that's this weekend. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. But yeah, the NRL season is always something that, obviously. I have a keen interest in it's again it's the mm. Premier Rugby League competition as well nothing matches it in terms of quality and drama it's incredible oh yeah yeah absolutely and I think this year coming is going to be um, a real doozy this one there's a lot of stories there's, there's you know some player movements new coaching you know play, uh, teams that have spent up big but still look like they're going to struggle teams that are, look like they're on the, the verge of, of greatness probably have a premiership window that's closing you've got other teams that are probably got a premiership window opening um you've got teams that are one player teams teams that are you know like a whole team from the um from 2016 where there's no real superstars but you know that they're all kind of grafters and and grinders and and could actually do something so yeah it's, it's an interesting year this year i think um if you want me to go right through team by team i mean i i went i think the panthers will win it um, I'm not sure they'll win the grand final, but I think they'll they'll be league leaders at the end of the, at the end of the 26 rounds. The JJ Giltinian Shield, as it is over here. Um, I, but I think this is their last year. I think they've got a, a window, and I think their Premiership window was last year and this year with Kikau going at the end of the year and some other player movements. Um, and yeah, I think this could be their last year to really dominate. I think other teams will catch them up, but I think they'll win the league. Um, I think the Storm will win the grand final, and I think the Storm will finish second. Um, I think the whole thing that's been happening with Brendan Smith and against Harry Grant in, in hooker, I think they'll actually work for them, not against them. Um, I think they've got a bit of a point to prove, and, and the worst thing with Storm is they always seem to work better when they've got their backs against the wall, and when Bellamy sits them all down and goes, everybody hates you. Let's prove them wrong. Was against that's them. when Melbourne, yeah, that's when Melbourne are absolutely frightening, and and it, it's with all the negative press around them at the end of the year, I just they get that siege mentality. They're going to be really hard to beat. I think. I think the Roosters will finish third. Um, they've got a lot of youngsters in that team, but I think they'll all be better for having a year last year when they were all kind of thrown thrown to the wolves a little bit. Um, you know, players like Billy Smith and, and um, Suwali and uh, Sam Walker, you know, they're all young kids, but I think they'll be better for a year. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I think they'll finish third. I reckon the Bunnies will go fourth. Um, back in the last year, they, they probably overachieved a little bit. I think they went further than they thought they were going to go, and I don't think they were expecting to get the grand final, but they deserved it, and they ran the Panthers bloody close be very wary about what's happening with no um, um, Adam Reynolds this year um, because the, the halfback is either going to be Blake Taff who played um, a little bit of fullback for him last year and a little bit of halfback um, and that's about it really um, you know He's their only really recognised halfback in the in the team, unless you put Cody Walker at halfback and try and find another five eight, another six. So um, 
Yeah, interesting how they're going to work at half-back, but they've still got some very, very good backs and some very, very good forwards. And I honestly think that they're going to be a hard team to beat. I think the rest of the eight in order, Eels, Seagulls, Titans, Tigers. Um, I think the Eels, they've still got class, um, but their strength in depth is a little bit questionable. If they can stay fit, fifths about where I think they'll be Manly are very dependent on Tom Trebojevic, they haven't got much beyond that, if he if he has an injury or has a quiet good start to the season I think they'll struggle, but otherwise they'll, they'll be very good I think the Titans will continue to improve um, they've got a really really strong forward pack with some of the best forwards in the league actually playing for them Fast Malui you know, and, um, and and some of the others are just are just very, very, very good players, and, and I think that um, you know they've they've been you know with Fafita and SASA and, and people like that they've they've got go forward, which um, which you need. Their struggle is in the backs. Um, they need a, a better half back and a better wingers and centres really to 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 properly challenge. And I think the Tigers will, will finally get in the eight for me. Um, I think Jackson Hastings signing from is a massive signing. I think Gildart will be decent as well. And I think Jackson Hastings will unlock Luke Brooks a little bit. And because they'll share the the load at half back, I think it'll take a lot of pressure off Brooks. And I think Brooks will be um, Brooks will be better for it. That's if Brooks stays at the club. Now, one of the teams I've got to miss my eight is Newcastle. And that is basically because they haven't got a halfback <laughs> after Mitch Pierce left. Um, I've said they'll finish 14th. So my my next eight, uh, Cronulla in 9th, the Raiders in 10th, Broncos 11th, St George 12th. So if we take them one by one, I think Cronulla will be good, but I think we'll just miss out on the eight. I think Fitzy coaching is going to be interesting, but they lack a bit of genuine class. Nico Hines is a big signing for them from Melbourne um, but I, I think he's not surrounded by much so I, I don't think they'll make the 8 I think the Raiders will miss the 8 and I think it'll be um, I think it'll be uh, the last year that their coach coaches them I think he'll, he'll go at the end of this year Ricky um, Stewart will Ricky Stewart yeah I, I just I can't see I can't see them sticking with him if he misses the 8 and I can't see him hitting the 8 this year they've, they've got a, an ageing team and um yeah, I mean they've they've not really signed anybody of of note, um, and they've they've basically you know Hodgson's leaving at the end of this year, Papa Lee's another year older, um, you know, you know they've they've not really got any genuine game breakers anymore. Mm. Um, you know the, the one player that you you really want to look out for. I mean Jordan Rappin has just signed another contract with him. He's thirty two um, on one wing, and Valamai on the other wing is is dynamic. It looks very much like Sam Williams is going to be the halfback, um, you know, and he's been all over the place. I mean, he spent years in England as well. Yeah, the one player that you, yeah, yeah. The, the one player you want to watch is Xavier Savage. Um, he's a fullback or a winger, and he is rapid. He is bloody quick. Um, so that that'll be probably the only the only bright spark, I think, because like Chance Nickel clocks that. Great, but he's injury prone. Jamal Fogarty, who's assigned to to replace um, George Williams, great, but a bit unproven. Jared Croker coming to the end of his career. I, I just think that they're a little bit old and a little bit creaky this year. 
Do you remember uh, Broncos in eleventh? Sorry, sorry, do you remember last year? Um, last year, sorry, last week you mentioned uh, mm. we were talking about the incredible inflaticism of rugby league players. It's just come to me. Fogarty was he the Titans halfback who made the break and yes. then Papali he ankle tapped yeah, him. Yeah, it was. You said the name. Yeah, you said the name and just clicked yeah. into my brain. It's like oh, that's it him. It was. Yeah, it was Fogarty that made the break for the Titans and, and Papali ankle tapped him, chased him back and ankle tapped him. Now they're playing them the same time. Yeah. Funny that prop, prop chasing. Yeah, a, it is a, a halfback down. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Broncos, I think I don't think they'll hit the eight. Um, I think Adam Reynolds is a real unknown for them. First time he's ever played in a team other than Souths. Um, what that does to Albert Kelly, who knows? He's going to be a backup halfback. They've got some of the best young forwards in the NRL. We're paying halves, but they haven't got anything else. Yeah. Really, I can't see him hitting the eight. St George, I think it's another year of, of hurt for St George. I think twelfth might even be being a little bit kind to them. Um, George Burgess is probably the unknown for them coming out of semi-retirement to, to play for St George and then my bottom four are Warriors Newcastle Bulldogs Cowboys in that order I think the Warriors they're always hard working but I think they're a bit naive they'll struggle um, Reese Walsh has, has come out today actually and said he's homesick and wants to go back to Queensland so he's put a come and get me out to um, the Dolphins the Broncos and the Titans for next year um, so that'll be um that'll be interesting to see how that plays out during the year because if he's putting the, the feelers out now he's not happy now you know mm. um, obviously the, the big unknown is, is how well um, the halfback settles back in um, what's his name um, Johnson settles back into the back home at the Warriors I suppose um, I, I don't know um, is, is the answer I, I think he's more or less finished and I think he's gone back there for a bit of a retirement plan I can't see him hitting the 8 Newcastle just haven't got a halfback mm. um, after uh, after Mitch Pearce went and, and their, their time was built around him so much that when he didn't play um, they really used to struggle um, I, I like watching Newcastle for a couple of reasons Bradman Best the centre um, I think if he was in a better side, we'll be talking about him as an absolute superstar. I think because he's at Newcastle, he, he tend, we tend to not give him the plaudits he probably deserves. I like watching Dominic Young, the kid from Huddersfield, who's the big black winger. Um, he's like six foot five or something, really big kid, um, playing for them. But I mean, he's, he's as raw as all hell and, and drops the ball more often than he catches it. But he, he's always fun to watch. And obviously, Kaelin Ponga as well. Mm. Um, that's always good to watch Kale and Ponga but apart from that you know they've they've got three or four halfbacks on their on their books um, but none of them are, are a patch on on Pierce so I, I, you know, I'd be interested to see who they go with at seven because the way I look at it I mean I don't know um, Adam Clune maybe um, for them or maybe Jake Clifford that they got from North, North Queensland last year um, but he's been playing more at six than seven. They've got Phoenix Crossland as well, but he's really young and, and, and a bit naive. Kurt Mann, he's an old stager, but he's more of a hooker these days. I, I don't know. It's, it, I, I don't know which way they're going to go. And if they don't make a last-minute play for Brooks from the Tigers. Bulldogs, obviously, are the, the, the big enigma this year. Um, they've, they've signed big, um, really big. You know, they've signed Brent Naden... They've signed um, Josh Alokar, uh, Matt Dufty, Matt Burton. You know they've got um, 
uh, Tavita Pengai Jr. They took Paul Vaughan from uh, from St George after all the trouble he had. Um, they've they've really spent up big, 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 and they've still got you know your, your Jack Hetheringtons and your Josh Jacksons and your Luke Thompsons and you know and, and players like that. And, but th- their major issue is that there's a real lack of organisation around the club. Um, Trent Barrett. He's a he's, he can be a good tactician, but I don't think he's a good man manager. And the way that they've publicly treated their halfbacks, I think is a disgrace. Um, Kyle Flanagan has just been systematically stripped of any semblance of of form and of confidence and of, of anything else you want. You know, he's just he's just been hung out to dry by them really, and, and I think it's a horrible thing. Um, and I can't see them finishing above the bottom two and I, unfortunately I do think that this year Cowboys will be stone dead last I just think apart from Tel Malolo and probably Tabuai Fido, Hamasai Tabuai Fido, I just can't see that they haven't really got much class um, they're a team of workman-like grafters but there's there's a real lack of spark around them and I can't see them finishing any higher than bottom When you sum it up like a team of grafters it's not and talk about excitement all the time when watching rugby league and that's what we want at Hull this year and players with flair and players with finesse and quality and when I think of the NRL I'm looking at Nathan Cleary I'm looking at Tom Javojevic I'm looking at Cody Walker Caelan Ponga you know you're not you, you don't mention players that are grafters you know do all the little 1% that are maybe nice to the coach and the, you know and a couple of the teammates but they're not they're not entice the fan do they and when I watch the NRL I want to be entertained I want to I want to see the stars. I want to talk about Caelan Ponga. I want to talk about Nathan Cleary. I want to talk about Penrith winning it again, and and obviously winding up my dad, who was a big Parramatta fan, and winding up you as a West Tigers fan. And yeah, I, what I get watching the NRL is the difference. I never used to like this, but I think it is getting bigger now. The gulf between the top and the bottom, I think, has got bigger than it was maybe say five six years ago. Maybe even to two thousand eighteen, where there was like two points difference between first and eighth. I think the first four were on thirty four and then five to eight finished yes. on thirty two. I don't think you've yes, got that yeah, now. Yeah. I think you've got a bigger a bigger gulf between, you know, your very best and your very worst. Yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I think you're right. Uh, I think a couple of years ago that the salary cap really worked. Uh, it did really genuinely balance out the competition. I think what's happened outside of that is that you've had some teams make some really lunatic recruitment. Um, you know, calls. You know, some of the, the the money that some of the players were on at the Tigers, and then you know we're we're paying other clubs to take them off our hands. Yeah. You know, at one stage, at one stage, the Tigers had were paying off three coaches, um, and were play were paying two other clubs, um, fifty percent of the wages of a, of a player that they didn't want. They didn't want at the club anymore. We're still doing that this year. We're paying um, Moses and buys wages. At, uh, at the Dragons yeah we're paying 50% of his because we wanted rid of him and he was under contract so you know I think you know this, that's just the Tigers you know Cronulla were the same they made some really stupid recruitment and retention especially retention um, calls you know there was, there was a couple of players that that they probably shouldn't have, have gone anywhere near retaining um, but then um but then did you know like Josh Dugan he should have been mm. put out to grass a couple of years ago because you know he was he spent more time down on the field than he did on his feet you know players like um, 
you know, Sean Johnson, they're signed in a blaze of glory. He's had two years, they've hardly hit the eight, and then he's gone back to New Zealand with his tail between his legs. You know, Aaron Woods signed him for an absolute fortune from from um, the Bulldogs. You know, Aaron Woods left the Tigers as a international player, went to the Bulldogs for a season, was terrible, went to Sharks for two years, was terrible, and now he's going to be at St George. You know, what a waste of a, of a good, talented player. But, the, you know... It, you can't blame him because he's a, he's had money left, right, and centre everywhere he's been. Mm. <laughs> you know because he's been the highest paid forward in the club everywhere he's been. You know there's some really odd, really weird recruitment um, decisions have been made across the league, and I think that's what's actually allowed Panthers, who have and Storm probably, and probably the Roosters and the Bunnies, who have made decent recruitment and retention decisions, just to kind of pull away a little bit. Also, um, them three clubs that you've mentioned, the Panthers, your Storm and your Roosters, what they have done over the past three years, is they've, they've brought players out from nowhere and players that yes, are now household yeah. names. You think of Reeves Smith, you think of Brian Tour, Jerome Luai, yeah. Sam Walker, yep. you know, the other yep. 10 million kids that the Roosters put in and fielded in their side last yeah. year. That's what it's allowed it to do. And that's also to the downfall as well, because I'm looking at Penrith right now. They've just won a premiership. Now you've got agents... Demanding stupid money for people like Charlie Stain, for people like Stephen Crichton, Brian Toe. You've just seen yeah. Kickout was obviously going to the Bulldogs uh, next year. You've got Matt Burton who's gone this year, and yeah. you know you can't. That's the problem. You win a Premiership and then you price tag floats and you can't keep everyone. And I suppose that's why it's such a revolving door in the NRL and why no one seems to have like a you know five six year period of absolute dominance like a three peat in St Alan's case and Leeds's case in the two thousands. And obviously Roosters won it back to back a couple of years ago, but. That was the first time it happened in like 20 years, wasn't it? I think that, that is a big reason why you, I think the NRL is much more varied in who wins it, which obviously is exciting because you don't want the same teams winning it every year unless you're obviously a fan of Leeds or St. Ellen's. But yeah, I think I think that does play a part in it. Again, it's good for the neutral, but then when you think teams are getting ripped up to an extent because players' agents are demanding stupid money and then clubs are fighting to keep players and fill the roster up and get the right players retained and the right players brought in, I think that contributes to it as well. I think agents are rugby league's best and worst floor, if you like, because they say they mess up recruitments, they mess up rosters, and I think there is some mileage in that. And I look at, like I say, I look at the way Penrith are going right now, and they're going to lose players because their agents are demanding too much money from them. It's as simple as that. Yeah, but you're right, and I think that this is where this is where they can still pull away, is because. Your your exact your first player that you mentioned there when you were talking about silly money was Charlie Staines, right now not a name that a lot of English rugby league fans will be really conversant with, but let's just go into Charlie Staines' backstory a little bit, right? Four tries on debut was it, or five tries on debut? Four, um, yeah. four on debut, right? Unbelievable. At one stage, he, he scored four in his first game, and then he scored two before half time on his second game, and he was taken off at half time. So in 120 minutes of, of first-grade football, he'd scored six tries, right? And then when he came back into the team, he's rapid, he's quick, but he's got a mistake in him and he's defensively not great and under the high ball, he's a bit dodgy, right? But because he absolutely exploded out, the, out of the blocks, wow, this is the next best thing, this is the next big thing and everything. He's probably, or he, or he has been probably, Panthers third or fourth choice winger. And then you're, what you're saying now is there are agents going, big money Charlie Staines, let's get him to another club, let's get him to the Tigers, or let's get him to the Broncos, let's get him to Newcastle, let's get him to Bulldogs, let's go blah, 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 blah. Big money, big money, big money, big money. He's still third choice winger at the Panthers. 
third or fourth choice winger. Let him go. Let one of the other clubs screw their entire system, screw their salary cap, bugger up the other players around them going, what, 400000 a year for him? I'm worth more than that. Let them sow the discontent in their teams. And Panthers just go, well, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't compete with what other players, other teams were going to. You know, we wish him all the best. And off he goes, and he goes and earns four hundred thousand and doesn't earn it. You know, Nick Kotrick, exactly the same. You know, at um, at the Bulldogs last year, you know, was probably the third choice winger at the at the Raiders. Went to the Bulldogs. They paid him half a million a year. Mm. He had one terrible season. He's gone back to the Raiders with his tail between his legs. And he's one hundred and fifty thousand. You know. That's that's you just you just have to sometimes as the selling club you have to just go well we can't we we can't um, match we that. can't match this yeah we can't match it you're gonna have to go sorry mate well you know it's a shame but off you go and then the Panthers because the Panthers have got an amazing um, you know youth um, setup they'll bring another kid through <laughs> they'll bring another kid through that's just as good just as fast just as elusive just as free scoring. And you know Charlie Staines will end up, will end up in five years' time playing for Salford. Yeah, that's the reality of it. I mean, Penrith's produ- production line is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we even saw it a little mm. bit during the Origin period last year, where yeah, so many obviously seven players were playing Origin, couple injured, couple suspended, whatever, and they brought through Isaac Tiger, they brought through uh, Tyrone May's younger brother Taylor, so that's yeah. the situation they're in at the moment. They can just Storm. bring through a kid, you know, Storm do it all the time, Storm. yeah, yeah. I mean, the you Storm know, one's have, ridiculous. You know, we, we, Losing yeah, three you best lose, players. Lose a hooker. Lose a hooker in Cam Smith, who's probably the, mm. the greatest of all time. They find two world class hookers. Yeah. You you Greg know? English. You lose a halfback in Cooper Crunk. Yeah. yeah. You lose a halfback in Cooper Crunk, you get Jerome Hughes. Yeah. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely. You, know, you, ridiculous. you lose probably the best fullback in the world ever in, in Billy Slater. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they've got Ryan Pappenhausen from nowhere. You know, came through the Tigers. Came through the Tigers. Um, uh, youth teams didn't never made a first grade um, appearance for the Tigers and was deemed surplus to requirements. You know they picked him up. Boom, mm. best player, best player in the time. It's just, it's just unbelievable. You know, and then like when they do sign a player, like uh, they do sign a, a legitimate player, they sign someone like Xavier Coates from the you know who, who was probably the the one bright spark in the Broncos backline last year he's gone to the he's gone to the storm this year and he's going to be he, he's going to be the cherry on top of the cake for them mm. yeah, it, yeah it's ridiculous it sort of explains a little bit why a lot of fans are envious towards the storm as well it's probably a little bit of jealousy they're yeah. thinking how do you get it so right when we get it so wrong and... see and when you look at it right in, in black and white you look at it your top three or four teams have got fantastic youth and a really good system that if they lose a player they absorb it and they find another one your bottom teams are the ones that go we're desperate for a winger where can we get a winger from let's sign a winger from Panthers or Storm or Roosters let's go let's go let's go half a million dollars we'll have that one and then he sits there like a single white tooth in a mouthful of fillings yeah. you know he's just he's there he never gets the ball because his centre's not as good as the century he was playing with he gets peppered with high balls and everything, which he never used to because he, he, you know, because the players he was playing with were putting more pressure on an opposition halfback, so he was never getting a kick to his corner because the the kicker wasn't getting the kick away. All of a sudden, 
he's not half as good a player as he thought he was because suddenly he's playing for the Bulldogs or the Cowboys or the Tigers or the or the Knights or whatever, and he's not in that Panthers, Storm, Roosters, Bunnies team. So you know, it's like the rich get richer and the poor get poorer because the poor are trying to buy the way out of trouble, and the rich will always have one of the kids from their system to just plug the gap and plug the gap and plug the gap, and it's boring, but it it works. I'm going to storm. How many years have I been writing for up the crane now? And every year I've gone, this is the year that the Storm fail. Mm. No Cooper Cronk this year, they'll fail. Found someone. You know? No no Billy Slater this year, they'll fail. Found someone. No no, no, no Cameron Smith this year, they'll fail. Found someone. You know? It's unbelievable. I've stopped saying it now. Yeah. Because they've proved me wrong six years running. Yeah. It's ridiculous, let's say, that revolving door that they've got. And... In a sense, I suppose that's what we want at Hull. We want to see better retention decisions, better recruitment yeah. decisions. Obviously, we want to see that production line. and That's all the goals at Hull right now, to get that production line better. We've seen the investment. We've seen a start, if you like, to retention and recruitment. I mean, the players we did retain last year, no one's going to complain at re-signing Josh Griffin, you know, the likes of him, and obviously letting go who we let go at the back end of last year. And obviously, the recruitment this year has been good. Hopefully, that's a, a small start to better things ahead, obviously, this year and next year. Um, obviously the production line is something we'll probably bear the fruits in a few more years yet we've got to be patient with that but the blueprints are all there I mean you see it in the UK as well St Owens, Wigan we've already mentioned that the fact they're where they are because of because of those recruitment decisions because of the fact that they bring through that yeah. production line and it's the same in the NRL it's the same everywhere You look, probably in every sport as well and that's obviously the goals for Hull uh, that, I'd say it's there in black and white to see yeah it is it is and, and that's the number one trick isn't it we just got to um we just got to trust in the youth and bring the youth through on the right time and when we do sign someone it's going to be the right player it can't just be someone to be a stopgap we've got to we've got to do it for the right reasons absolutely absolutely uh finish off sadly um a sad sad uh, bit of news over the weekend was Brian Cooper passing away a former Hull FC player from the 1940s and 1950s he was Part of the 1956 and 1958 championship winning sides, always Hull beat Halifax in 56 and Workington in 58. Right centre, Hull born and bred, a one club man. Obviously, uh, condolences go to his uh, family and friends. Uh, Peter Hall, obviously playing in the 90s, also passed away. Two sad pieces of news and, yeah, obviously both. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know my dad, um, my dad would, would talk about that 50s team. With, with a lot more authority than, than I could. Um, and, and, you know, I think um, it, it was generally the forwards that were that were mentioned when anyone talks about that team rather than the backs. But I think, uh, obviously, you know, you don't, you, don't win a, you don't win a championship with just forwards. <laughs> yeah. And the backs that we had then were, were very, very good. And, and uh, yeah, absolutely rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll leave that there for the end of this edition of the podcast. Uh, Hull FC and Wakefield and the Super League opener to come next week. Bring it on, and thanks as always for your time, mate. Bring it on, mate. Thanks a lot.